Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about myeloproliferative disorders. And if you want to follow along with written notes on this topic, you can follow along at zerodefinals.com slash myeloproliferative disorders or in the hematology section of the Zero to Finals medicine book. So let's get straight into it. These conditions occur due to uncontrolled proliferation of a single type of stem cell and they're considered to be a type of bone marrow cancer. And there's three myeloproliferative disorders that you need to remember for your exams. The first is primary myelofibrosis. The second is polycythemia vera. And the third is essential thrombocythemia. Primary myelofibrosis is the result of proliferation of the hematopoietic stem cell. Polycythemia vera is the result of the proliferation of the erythroid cell line. And essential thrombocythemia is the result of proliferation of the megakaryocytic cell line. And remember, megakaryocytes are what creates platelets. So just to recap that, there's a proliferating cell line and they cause a disease. So the hematopoietic stem cell creates primary myelofibrosis when it proliferates. Erythroid cells, when they proliferate, create polycythemia vera. And megakaryocytes, when they proliferate, create essential thrombocythemia. Myeloproliferative disorders have the potential to progress and transform into acute myeloid leukemia. And this is a transformation you need to remember. So these myeloproliferative disorders, whichever one it is, can transform into AML. And these conditions are associated with mutations in certain genes, the JAK2 gene, the MPL gene, and the CALR gene. And a quick Tom tip, remember the JAK2 mutation for your exams. This can be the target of JAK2 inhibitors, such as ruxolitinib, as part of a treatment regime. So this is a common mutation that will be tested for in your exams as the other mutations aren't related to a particular treatment regime or targets for treatment. So firstly, let's talk about myelofibrosis. Myelofibrosis can be the result of primary myelofibrosis, polycythemia vera, or essential thrombocythemia. So all of the myeloproliferative disorders can cause myelofibrosis. And myelofibrosis is where the proliferation of a cell line leads to bone marrow fibrosis. And the bone marrow is replaced by scar tissue. And this is in response to cytokines that are released from proliferating cells. One particular cytokine is fibroblast growth factor. And this fibrosis affects the production of blood cells and can lead to anemia and a low white blood cell count, which we call leukopenia. So basically the fibrosis inside the bone marrow that's caused by all these proliferating cells leads to underproduction of different cell lines and leads to anemia and low white blood cell count levels. When the bone marrow is replaced by scar tissue, the production of blood cells, or what we call hematopoiesis, starts to happen in other areas, such as in the liver or the spleen. And this is known as extramedullary hematopoiesis. And it can lead to massive hepatomegaly and splenomegaly. And this can lead to portal hypertension and all the complications of portal hypertension. If it occurs around the spine, it can also lead to spinal cord compression. So if patients start to have back pain and they're known to have these conditions, be very cautious as they'll probably need an urgent MRI. 
So how do these patients present? Well, initially, myeloproliferative disorders are usually asymptomatic and they can present with non-specific systemic symptoms such as fever, weight loss, night sweats and fever. And there may be signs and symptoms of underlying complications of the disorders such as anemia, which will happen in all of them, obviously, except for polycythemia, where there's a high hemoglobin count. Splenomegaly can present with abdominal pain. Pultal hypertension can present with ascites, varices, and abdominal pain. A low platelet count can cause bleeding or petechiae, which is blood spots underneath the skin. Thrombosis, or the development of blood clots, is common in polycythemia and thrombocythemia, where they're prothrombotic. Raised red blood cells can lead to thrombosis and a plethoric complexion, which is a red face. And low white cell counts can leave people susceptible to infection, so they might present with severe infections. Let's talk about the investigations. Well, the initial investigation that you want to do is a full blood count. And in polycythemia vera, there'll be a raised hemoglobin count, which is more than 180 grams per litre in men, or 165 grams per litre in women. In primary thrombocythemia, there's a raised platelet count, which is typically more than 600. In myelofibrosis, which can either be due to primary myelofibrosis or secondary to polycythemia, or essential thrombocythemia, can give variable findings of anemia, leukocytosis, or leukopenia, which is either a high or a low white cell count, or thrombocytosis or thrombocytopenia, which is either a high or a low platelet count. It's important to do a blood film, which is where they manually look at the blood cells underneath a microscope and look for weird shaped cells and other inclusions in the blood. And a blood film in myelofibrosis can show teardrop shaped red blood cells and varying sizes of red blood cells. The technical name for different sized red blood cells in the same blood count is called anisocytosis. They might also show immature red cells and immature white cells, which we call blasts. So to make a definitive diagnosis, you would have to do a bone marrow biopsy. And bone marrow aspiration is usually dry because the bone marrow has turned into scar tissue. So if you stick a needle into the bone marrow and try to aspirate some fluid from it, it's dry and you can't aspirate fluid. So you need to take a physical biopsy of that bone marrow. You can also test for the specific mutations of the genes such as JAK2, MPL and CLLR and this will help you guide management. For the management of primary myelofibrosis, patients with mild disease or minimal symptoms might just be monitored and not actively treated to see if they progress or if they stay stable. Doing an allergenic stem cell transplantation is potentially curative but Stem cell transplantations carry risks. Chemotherapy can be used to help control the disease and to improve symptoms and slow the progression, but it's typically not curative on its own. And then you need to include supportive management of the anemia, of the splenomegaly, and the portal hypertension and the complications of those. The management of polycythemia vera includes venesection, so taking regular blood samples, in order to keep the haemoglobin within the normal range. And this is the first line treatment. Aspirin can be used to reduce the risk of developing blood clots because polycythemia creates a viscous blood 
that's prone to thrombus formation, and chemotherapy can be used to help control the disease. And finally, let's talk about management of essential thrombocythemia. Mainly this focuses on reducing the risk of blood clots because having all those extra platelets in the blood makes you much more prone to thrombus formation. And antiplatelet medications such as aspirin can be used for this purpose. Chemotherapy can also be used to control the disease in essential thrombocythemia. So thanks for listening to this episode on myeloproliferative disorders. If you found it helpful and you want written notes on this topic and all the other podcast episode topics, head over to Amazon and pick up a copy of the Zero to Finals Medicine book. It's got detailed and concise notes on over 160 different topics just like this, designed specifically to contain all the key facts and guidelines you need for your medical exams. And don't forget you can find all the notes as well as videos, illustrations and questions completely free on the Zero to Finals website at zerodefinals.com. And I hope you tune in for the next episode which will be on myelodysplastic syndrome.